Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. My name is Varna Kadoth, and I'm a research assistant to Dr. Tiffany Mara at the Center for the Education of Women Plus. I recently graduated from the University of Michigan this past May with a dual degree Bachelor's of Science in Molecular, Cellular, and Developmental Biology and English. As a research assistant, I essentially founded the Women in Marginalized Communities in STEM Advocacy Initiative. And so from this, I launched the Women in Marginalized Communities in STEM focus group study, which involved working closely with women and marginalized students in the U of M STEM departments and programs across both the undergraduate and graduate populations. So from November of 2019 to February 2020, I conducted four undergraduate focus groups and four graduate student focus groups. And so the focus groups consist of students across all U of M science departments and the College of Engineering. And the goal of the focus group study was to identify how staff and faculty at U of M may better support and include women in marginalized communities in STEM spaces. And so from this study, we essentially identified barriers to entry in STEM for marginalized identities. And so we had eight major findings, four from the undergraduate focus group study, and then also four from the graduate student focus group study. And there were probably, I would say, four that kind of uh, overlap between both the undergraduate and graduate student populations. And so one being that representation in STEM majors is poor. And so marginalized students often do not feel that they're well supported to achieve academic success. And two being that discussions related to social identities are currently not integrated into STEM courses, majors, meetings, and programs. Um, it's typically more reserved like your humanities courses. And the third being that um, there exists a gap between the non-traditional undergraduate and graduate students and U of M support services. So trying to find ways that we increase accessibility and transparency for U of M uh, resources, because there are so many resources, but a lot of students either don't know about them, maybe they heard about it, you know, during their freshman orientation, never really heard about it again. And so they haven't necessarily taken advantage of everything that's out there. And lastly, four, one of the biggest ones was that staff and faculty play a very strong role in influencing department culture and honestly, like promoting the importance of DEI and really demonstrating that the department and the institution's commitment to DEI, um, as well as the importance of things like work-life balance. And so those were four really big themes that came out of the focus group study. And I essentially led um, all aspects of focus group recruitment, focus group facilitation, and the interview process, analysis and coding of the qualitative data, and then ultimately the write-up of the report. And so I authored the Women and Marginalized Communities in STEM at University of Michigan focus group report. And so that's going to be disseminated to basically all U of M department heads, faculty and staff and STEM disciplines in early August. And so this report, what's really important about it is that it identifies like very easy to implement recommendations for U of M staff and faculty to take immediate action steps to better support and include underrepresented identities in STEM. For me personally, being involved in both the humanities with my English major and then also STEM with my molecular biology major, I really got to see just very different demonstrations of commitment to DEI, if that makes sense. So in my humanities courses, 
oftentimes on the first day of class in the beginning of the semester, the professor would start by saying, you know what, I'm learning with you. You know, this is one of the most diverse classes I've had. And so please let me know whether it's in private or at the end of class that if I say something that offends you or um, if I say something that isn't appropriate to you and your identities. And it was just really great because it opened up the classroom and created this academic safe space. And then in my STEM courses, one of the things that, you know, we even found as a common theme in the from the participants in the folks group was that you often just, you know, you attend class, you listen to a lecture, you study the material, you take a test, and you kind of move forward. And oftentimes it's really missing that more humanistic aspect to it. And I personally also very much witnessed, you know, as a South Indian woman in both the humanities and the STEM courses, um, my identities were definitely made hyper aware to me. So in my STEM courses, you know, predominantly my peers and faculty as well were uh, white heterosexual males. And then in my humanities courses, there were often white women in comparison. And so I definitely think by the time of around my junior year, when I started thinking about this project, I really started to see, you know what, like we could definitely benefit from identifying these gaps between students and staff and faculty, as well as even working to kind of improve the way that even peers interact with each other. And so that's kind of what really got me you know, thinking about this. And, you know, there's a lot of papers out there that analyze women in the workplace or, you know, URM identities in the workplace and like how, how there are barriers to entry there, but we don't often look at it, you know, from the starting point, which might be in these academic institutions. And so that's really where I kind of, you know, got this whole idea going. This was actually a really fun process, like curating the focus group study findings to fit the non-traditional student module format, because um, it definitely required a very different approach from like collecting and processing qualitative data. And so it involved really thinking about how to create the optimal user experience, which is something that I haven't done before. And so the question I really tried to keep in mind while developing the content for the module is, you know, how can we focus on how staff specifically may better support and include non-traditional students in STEM spaces within the context of their role on campus. And so with the help of Morgan Tipple and Kenny, I took a uh, research study and turned it into an interactive learning experience filled with uh, journaling activities, audio clips featuring student voices, infographics, an easy to follow three-step method and scenario-based learning applications. I'm always really interested in finding new ways to communicate like scientific and technical information to non-experts in the field. And with this module, that's kind of exactly what we accomplished. And so the module basically breaks down complex concepts into digestible chunks. So in order to do this with the help of Dr. Mara, we formulated this three-step method, which is breakdown, reflect, and act. So this is like the first set of steps in achieving an academic safe space inclusive to women and marginalized identities in STEM. And so in this module, we walk trainees through the three steps and how to utilize this three-step method to apply to four of the major themes um, of non-traditional students in STEM, as I mentioned before. I mean, each theme is a barrier that non-traditional students face in STEM. And in that first step, you're essentially breaking down the theme into what does this theme mean and why is this theme important, specifically non-traditional student identities in STEM. Then in step two, each reflection question asked the staff member to introspectively look at their own core identities and how their core identities impact their interactions with students. And then this brings us to that final step, which is ACT. So at this point, we're asking, okay, now that you know all this, how, what can you do to improve the STEM environment for U of M students? More specifically, what immediate action steps can you implement into your department, organization, or program, or even an activity or event that you're hosting to combat these barriers? And yeah, so that kind of is everything that we did with the Not Just a Student module. Looking back on everything that we accomplished through this, like one of the coolest outcomes from the study 
you know, from the study, the resource sheet and the training module is that these focus group participants chose to volunteer an hour of their time amidst their busy schedules to just talk about their experiences. Most of these participants, especially the graduate students, didn't even know who I was, yet they really engaged with the opportunity to make their voice be heard. And more importantly, this demonstrated to me that students are constantly thinking about their identities and thinking about how their identities impact them on a daily basis, especially in the classroom or laboratory setting, um, or even in, in their interactions with peers and staff and faculty. And um, the conversations modeled like early on that our answers to questions may be different depending on the background we have when we enter the conversation. And so simple questions that I was asking during the focus group, like how does your identity impact the way you interact with your peers and colleagues developed into these substantive like discussions about how the same experience or a perspective impacts a student's learning experience in different identity specific ways. And so, what is really missing from this conversation of unrepresentation in STEM are robust investigations like this of the STEM climate in, at academic institutions. Because the reality is, is that STEM professionals are exposed to these microaggressions, biases, and stereotypes well before entering the workforce. Um, so that really begs that question, right? So like when do, like when do these exclusionary behaviors start? And maybe if we intervene early, we can improve the outcomes, right? So therefore the undergraduate and graduate st uh, student STEM environment is ultimately a contributor to the attrition of underrepresented identities out of the professional STEM fields. And so these needs assessments need to be made periodically within academic institutions and specifically at the undergraduate and graduate level for two reasons. One being um, to amplify the voices on underrepresented identities in STEM early on. And second, to recognize that like these threats and unwelcoming environments for women in marginalized communities are being faced at the undergraduate level, they like persist into the graduate level and ultimately into professional world. The only difference that I'm seeing between the three levels is that as the environment matures, these threats evolve into larger, more exclusionary behaviors within STEM spaces where the outcomes are increasingly detrimental. And so I think that's how this is really, really important to STEM students specifically, because it's it's going to be a long term fight in a way. But like if we start now, we can make a much bigger difference at the end. So one thing that I learned from all the folks who participants is that making a large impact actually requires very small changes. And so changing a program or changing course design to create academic safe spaces for women and marginalized identities sounds like a lot of work, but really from the focus group study recommendations, you'll see that like this requires small changes that ultimately make a big impact. So for example, one of the greatest challenges for women and marginalized students in STEM is looking around and seeing that not very many staff, faculty, and peers look like you. Um, and so one of one of the things that I'd love is to see is for more STEM courses to integrate discussions that demonstrate the importance of diversity in STEM. So this may be highlighting the significant contributions of women um, scientists and URM scientists in neuroscience, or this might look like inviting diverse seminar speakers to speak about their experiences and how their um, identities impacted the way that they approach scientific questions and their career trajectory. And one of um, the focus group participants said, said this really well, and I'm paraphrasing here, but this participant said something along the lines that the reality is that like the work that we're doing in STEM requires a diversity of thought, right? You want to comment your questions with ideas and experiments from different angles to try and answer that same question. And so the more diversity you have, the broader impact your work will also have. Um, and I think that just like really well summarizes, you know, that's the kind of change that we need is to really continue to show that, you know, and prioritize that diversity in STEM is extremely important um, in order to continue to make advancements in the field.
joining the CW Plus team provided me with this incredible tribe of like female role models. And so like, I, I would definitely say they came into my life and like entered my college career at the right time. Cause it's not very often that you meet incredible women who just you click with and they share the same energy and passion to instigate like community-based change. Cause that's really what they care so much about. And like, I definitely think these are the type of women who help other women and underserved student populations. And you see that like, hey, if I can do it, you surely can too, which is really rare to find. And so I definitely think that the professional relationships that I formed here lifted me up and put me on the path to like also continue to dedicate myself and my career to continue to advocate for the visibility of underrepresented identities. If I hadn't met these incredible women, I don't even know if, you know, that's something that I would have really focused on. And so moving forward, I'm an aspiring like public health professional in position. And so I plan to continue to dedicate myself to reaching out to communities with actions that create change. And I'll, I think I'll always continue to find ways to serve the underserved. I would say that CEW Plus is here to develop, organize, and implement ideas, practices, and resources to achieve a better community and a better learning environment for women and all underserved communities at U of M. I would say that CW Plus truly, like I've never seen an organization that like genuinely enjoys helping other people achieve their goals and enjoys exploring new and untapped directions to further your goals and help you reach your potential. So they definitely are like the most selfless organization <laughs> I've ever been a part of. The non traditional student module couldn't arrive at a more timely point in the world. Now more than ever before, we need to make sure our allyship efforts are centering those who are marginalized, right? And so the one takeaway that I want everyone to know about the non traditional student module is that it offers a ton of opportunities to uplift, center, and elevate BIPOC leaders in STEM within the context of your role or organization. And so it exists it, it literally exists to like empower you to revisit your program policies, to redesign your course, to include discussions on social identities um, like race and ethnicity, and to challenge you to reflect upon what you are doing on a daily basis to demonstrate your commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? And so, and this work isn't meant to be easy by any means. Reflection is tough and often uncomfortable, but once again, we want to get comfortable with uncomfortable. And if it was easy, then everyone would do it, right? Um, but by having those tough conversations with yourself and others, you're essentially setting the stage for major change to take place at Michigan. So I think we all know that, you know, Michigan is this extremely innovative and constantly evolving at a very fast pace. And I think that's truly what makes Michigan this incredible place for you to chase after a project that you are really passionate about. Like if you have a burning question that you want to answer, and I mean like the kind of thoughts that like keep you up at night, then like Michigan is the perfect place for you to pursue that. At least that's like what, what I found. And I think as an undergraduate at a place as big and far reaching as Michigan, it's so easy to feel incredibly small and to feel as if you don't have the power to make real change, but it's really quite the opposite. There are so many faculty, staff, and mentors at Michigan who want to help you achieve your goals because it really does take a village in a sense to start a conversation and get the ball rolling on a topic like underrepresented identities in STEM. So a little background story on the development of this study. Early in my junior year, I decided to take all the ideas in my head and put them down on paper. And what resulted is a proposal to gather the experiences on women and marginalized identities in STEM space at Michigan. My goal being um, to create a platform for women and marginalized groups on campus to share their real life experiences with the U of M community. 
And at this point, I set up a meeting with my now mentor, Dr. Burga Singer, to further develop and discuss my project. Dr. Singer is a physician in the Department of Pediatric Endocrinology at Michigan Med, and she's also heavily involved in the DEI space at Michigan Med. And so together with her edits and guidance, I submitted this 20-page proposal to the Women and Gender Summer Fellowship Program here at Michigan. And my application was actually waitlisted and ultimately rejected. But I didn't stop there by any means. I immediately sent out probably like 30 to 40 like more emails reaching out to department heads and program heads um, to set up meetings with them to speak with them in September. And in one of those like 30 to 40 emails, I reached out to Dr. Mara. And I'm a strong believer in that like when one door closes, another opens. And that's like exactly what happened here. And the reality is that the underrepresentation of women in marginalized communities in STEM is not often assessed at the undergraduate and graduate levels at academic institutions, as I mentioned before. And so this to me felt like a call to action that in order to amplify the voice of non-traditional students, we to commit to collecting and reporting the lived experiences of not just the students in STEM spaces. And you know what, Dr. Singer, Dr. Mara, the Spectrum Center, the Science Learning Center, Advance, my PI, Dr. Sarah Ayton, like they all wholeheartedly believe in this too. And most often the response I received was, this is great. Now, what can I do to help you get there? And overall, I just received so much like overwhelmingly positive feedback in the process and I couldn't be more thankful to all the mentors that supported me in this endeavor and continue to work to fight inequities in STEM. So what I'm trying to say is that if if you're really passionate about you know I don't know climate change or gun control or mental health like don't wait start now there's literally never a better time than right now when you're at Michigan and you you're in this privileged position to be able to utilize educational resources connect with uh, renowned staff and faculty and ultimately empower the student body in the process too. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.